Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Creation A New Podcast. I'm Randy Weddle. I'm your uh, host uh, for this podcast, and I am also the pastor of Community Church of Mooresville, located in Mooresville, Indiana, and I also am the pastor of Mount Pleasant Christian Church, located in the great town of Hall, Indiana. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for one and you happen to be in the central Indiana area, by golly, I encourage you to come and check out Community Church of Mooresville or Mount Pleasant Christian Church and check us out. Uh, and we would love to have you with us. Uh, we are um, a Bible teaching and a Bible-believing group of believers. And uh, whether you go to one church or the other, you are going to get some solid Bible teaching and you'll be loved by many good people. So enough of that commercial. <laughs> uh, what are we going to do today? Well, what I want to do is I want to do a study of the book of Colossians. We're going to start from beginning to end. And you may say, well, I've never done that before. Well, now's a good time to start. And uh, I encourage you to read your Bible through and I also encourage you to study individual books of the Bible. Reading the Bible through is kind of like looking at the big picture. Studying an individual book is like looking at the details of that big picture. And you need both of those for a healthy understanding of Scripture. And uh, if you do both of those, you're going to see how things in Scripture start making sense and how they come together to make one big book comprised of 66 individual books. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Now, one of the things I like to do when I study an individual book, I would encourage you to do the same thing, and uh, that is to do a survey of that book. So let's do that right here. A little bit about the book of Colossians or the epistle to the Colossians. It was written by the Apostle Paul. We see that in chapter 1, verse 1 of the epistle. And the Apostle Paul was a prisoner in Rome when he wrote the epistle to the Colossians. And we see that in Acts 28, verses 17 through 31. And Paul at the same time, or around the same time that he wrote the epistle to the Colossians, he also wrote to the Ephesians, to Philemon. So he wrote the book of Ephesians, Philemon, and he also wrote to um, the Philippians and wrote that Bible book, Philippians. And the reason why that's important is you kind of see some puzzle pieces that kind of fit together between some of those books, and it just makes things more real. It makes things more alive. The Apostle Paul was a real person, so he was doing many things at one time, and it's good for us to know things like that. Now, when did he write this book? This book was written in the early 60s AD, so around AD 62. And like I said, Paul was in prison. And many people throughout the years have verified that this book is Scripture. And the way they verified it is they just quote it as Scripture. Some people like Justin Martyr and Irenaeus and Clement of Alexandria, Tertullian and Origen, 
all of these guys quoted the book of Colossians, or at least parts of the book of Colossians. And the reason why that's important is because you need to know that this book didn't just come along years after and someone said, yeah, I think this would be good to add to the Bible. This book was considered scripture the, at the time that it was written. So when the Colossians read this, they were considering this as God's word. And that's usually what has happened with the books of the Bible. They were considered scripture whenever they were written. So that's a study for another day. So let's take a look uh, a little bit at, um, at the Colossians here. The, the, the Colossians were the people to whom Paul wrote. Okay, and it's always good to know who the audience is of a book. The original audience were believers that lived in a city called Colossae. And Colossae was, was located in Asia Minor. Now today that land is called Turkey. And the church there was mainly comprised of Gentiles. And as we go through this book, you may see some things that Paul says that say, hey, you know, Wow, he sounds like he's talking to Gentiles. Well, the reason why is they were. Now, not all of them, but most of them were Gentiles. Some were Jews. Now, some say that the church may have been founded by Paul. My personal opinion is that a guy by the name of Epaphras started the book, or started the church there, I'm sorry, that Epaphras founded the church in Colossae, and that's where I would stand. We find that in um, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, we see the work that Epaphras did with the Colossians, and that is one reason why I believe that he is the guy that uh, actually founded this church. And the, the, the people there were good people. They, were, they had good qualities. Paul says in verse 4 that they had faith in Christ and love for the saints, but they were struggling. They were struggling with some false teaching that had come in, in among them, and it seemed like there were false teaching from many different sides of the table. In other words, there were some Jews that came and they were trying to tell the Colossians that they need to follow the law of Moses, the ceremonial law of Moses in order to be saved. And it was confusing to these people. There may have been some mystical teachings that were, you know, kind of kind of getting people uh, to start looking at angels and worshiping angels. It seemed like there may have been some teachings of the Gnostics and the Gnostics were people that said, well, you know, um, the flesh is so evil, we can just indulge the flesh however we want. But it's, it, the important thing is just knowing. we got to know the special knowledge. And if you know the special knowledge, then, then you're cool. Well, there may have been some false teaching from the Gnostics that were, that were attacking these people as well. So Paul writes this book. That uh, so that he would be able to help them to muddle through and to clear up and know the truth rather than a falsehood. Now, the people in the city of Colossae were mainly religious, and they, they were not real hip on the supernatural. They kind of dreaded it. And their, their worship, though, of their gods included um, 
a lot of sexual activity. There was a lot of sensuality in their worship. So for these Colossian believers to come out of worshiping those things was a huge deal. So they were learning a lot very quickly. And for someone else or others to come along and start tripping them up with false doctrine uh, was not helping. So Paul writes to them. So the, the situation is that Epaphras, who I believe founded this church, comes to Rome and he visit, visits with Paul and he gives Paul a report about the church. And he, he's telling them the church is under attack of false teaching. And Paul writes to them and tries to get them uh, in line and help them out. So with that, we now know a little bit about the Colossians. We know a little bit about the author of this book. And we know a little bit about the place of Colossae. We know a little bit about the situation and the time period in which uh, Colossians was written. So now we're ready to get started with our study. And uh, after this break, we'll get started with the first part of Colossians chapter 1. Alrighty, we're back here at Creation Anew, and we are going to start with Colossians chapter 1 and, and just start our journey here. So if you have your Bibles, go to Colossians and, and journey with me. Colossians chapter 1 starts off and says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Then verse 2, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So what Paul is doing here is he is doing a greeting. He's saying, this is who I am, and Timothy is with me. Timothy was a faithful companion of the apostle Paul who traveled with him and I'm sure suffered with him and served with him. And he is listed here as well. So that tells us that Timothy was also in Rome with Paul. Now, whether Timothy was in jail or not, we don't know, but uh, he was with Paul. And then verse two, Paul says, I'm writing to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae. And he, then he, he makes it, uh, for lack of a better word, he wishes something for them. He wants something for them. And that is grace to you. And that grace, you can think of grace in a couple of ways. You can think of the grace that comes when God saves somebody. But you can also think of grace as God's working in someone's life. The, the initial grace leads to salvation. The, the, uh, the, the secondary grace, and I don't mean that it's less, but the secondary grace is God working in someone's life through spiritual gifts, um, speaking to them through God's word, working through people. So um, God continues to give grace after salvation. It's that, that second grace that I'm talking about here. And uh, then he also says, I wish peace from God our Father to you as well. And obviously when someone comes to Christ, they definitely have peace. There is a standing of peace. So in other words, the war with God is over. But then as we grow in Christ, we understand that the war 
is over. That takes some time, sometimes to learn that and to live in that. So Paul is saying, I'm writing to you Colossians and I am wanting peace and grace for you, which is just a, a wonderful, wonderful thing that Paul starts off with. And for those of you that think the Apostle Paul is a hard nose and, and uh, tough, well, you should really read his epistles because he's a, a softy in many ways. Verse 3, we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Paul does a lot of praying for the people to whom he writes, who he's dealing with. And that gives us an example as um, leaders of churches and other um, believers that we should be praying for others as well. He says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. What is he praying? Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. This gives us some insight into the Colossian believers. There were some good things that were happening. Paul hears this from Epaphras and he says, hey, we've heard about your faith in Christ, your trust in him, the fact that you are resting in him not only for salvation, but also for other things in your life. That's what faith is. It's, a, it's like sitting down in a chair and they are sitting down in Christ. They're resting in the promises of Christ. And from that, that starts sparking love for others. And Paul says that in verse 4, he said, We're hearing of your faith in Christ and the love which you have for all the saints. Verse 5 says that, that because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So Paul says, hey, we're hearing of this faith and love of yours. The reason why the Colossians have faith and love, Paul says, is because they have hope. Hope means everything. Now, biblical hope, you need to understand, biblical hope is not the type of hope where you look out the window and you say, well, I hope it rains today. You know, you're not sure, you're not guaranteed, but you hope it rains. Biblical hope is more sure than that. Biblical hope says I am expecting something to happen because Christ said it's going to happen. I expect it. I'm looking for it. I can I can trust him fully. And because the Colossians have believed in Christ, they have hope. And that hope allows them to continue in faith in Christ and to love other people, to love the saints. And Paul says, because you have hope laid up for you in heaven— you have an inheritance coming, and you heard of this you heard of this previously in the word of truth. And Paul says the word of truth is the gospel. Now he continues in verse six and he says, This gospel has come to you, just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even at his, as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Paul says, this gospel, this, this truth has come to you and it's, it's spreading out in the world and it's bearing fruit. It's bearing fruit in the Colossians and it's bearing fruit for those who believe. That's what the gospel does. It's still doing that today, by the way. 
That's why we give the gospel. We're commanded to go into all the world and make disciples, giving them this gospel so that they will have hope. They will bear fruit for Christ. So he continues on and he said um, in verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, so they learned the gospel from Epaphras, and that's why I believe that Epaphras was the founder of this church. I think he's the one that started this church. He says, just as you learned it, the gospel, from Epaphras, and, and Paul continues and says that Epaphras is our, our beloved fellow bondservant, so he's a helper. He is a fellow servant and a minister to Christ, and he says he's a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. Verse 8, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. So again, Epaphras goes to Rome and informs Paul about the Colossians, and he's telling them good things, and Paul is thankful for those good things. Verse 9, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So Paul, understanding that these people are going through a difficult time because they are being fed some lies from outside sources. They are being fed heresy, um, false doctrine. And he says here in verse 9, he says, hey, listen, we've heard the good things that are happening in you, and we are praying that you will be filled. You will be filled to the top with the knowledge or understanding of God's will. Well, what's the big deal about that? Well, here's the deal. If the Colossians understand God's will, they don't have to be muddled up with the false doctrine. You see, truth always burns away the cobwebs of falsehood. And Paul says, I want you guys to be filled with the knowledge of the truth, with the knowledge of God's will. Now, where do we find God's will? Well, we find it in the Bible. If you want to know what God's will is, you can look for it. It's written down for you. You can read it over and over again. And that's the wonderful thing about having God speak to us through his written word. So, Paul says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. That is a result of knowing God's will. That you you understand the truth and then you walk in the truth. And that's what Paul means. That He's not saying walk in a worthy manner, meaning that you got to work your way to, to heaven. He's saying now that you're saved, you can know the truth, live in the truth. You can walk in the truth. And that way, when you walk in the truth, you will walk in a manner that's pleasing to God. Paul goes on in verse 10, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So it's a cyclical type of thing. You learn truth, you walk in truth, you learn more truth. And Paul wants this for the Colossians. Verse 11 strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, 
joyously, verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of his saints. So if you are, if you understand God's truth and you walk in his truth, you're growing. Well, one of the things that result from that is that you'll be strengthened. And these Colossian believers needed to be strengthened against heresy, against lies and falsehood. So Paul says, I want you to grow in Christ. I want you to know his will so you'll be strengthened with all power and that you'll attain uh, all steadfastness and patience. In other words, you'll, you'll be standing strong and you'll joyously give thanks to the Father. That's a result of growing in Christ. You understand exactly what you have and you're thankful for it. And you're, he says you'll be giving thanks to the Father, and it's this Father in verse 12 who has qualified us, Paul says. In other words, he's made us ready. He is, um, he's enabled us. He, he has made us good enough through Christ to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What is the inheritance? Well, number one, it's eternal life. And you can read Ephesians chapter 1 and see all of the riches that we have in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't include cars and houses and lots of money. It includes things more lasting than those temporary things. So as you're growing, you're being strengthened, you're walking in the truth, you're giving thanks to God the Father, and it's God the Father who, through Christ, has qualified us to share in the inheritance. Christ's work on the cross made us able to enter into the presence of God. Verse 13, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness, that's the work of Christ, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's what God the Father did through Christ. Because Christ did his work, he, he lived a perfect life, he died for the sins of the world and was buried and risen again. People who believe in him are transferred from the darkness, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it's in Christ, verse 14, that we have redemption, Paul says. That's, we have salvation. We have the forgiveness of sins. So Paul starts off right out of the gate here, and he's telling these people, that I'm praying for you. I want you to know the truth and to grow in the truth and to be strengthened by the truth and to be thankful because you know the truth. Now, what's the big deal about this? What does this say to us today? Well, the implication, and, and when you study the Bible, start looking for what it is— I hesitate to say application because not every single thing that is written to a group of people, the original audience of a book of the Bible, applies to us. But what we can take away from this is we too can be strengthened by following the truth, by knowing God's word, by, by walking in God's word and growing in God's word. So that's the important thing. That's what these or these uh, Colossians needed. And right now, I'm telling you, this world is diving deep into falsehood. 
and they need to listen to God's word and to follow God's word. Christians need to, to live in and follow God's word. Alrighty, guys, that's all we have for today. If you would like to write to me, you can do so. My email address is randy at creationanew.com. And uh, I welcome you to come back and we'll continue our study uh, momentarily.